See, you never know what you're doing when you're doing something right. Here's an old slogan I want you to remember. Do right. That's your duty to God. Think right. That's your duty to yourself. And you're bound to be right. That's right. See, you'll come out right. If you'll do right, that's your duty to God. Think right. That's your duty for yourself. And you'll come out right. You, this, I told my boy here when he was 14 years old. I said, stand hold your hands out like this, son. You're coming to the adolescent age now, a place where I'll away from home a lot. I won't be able to direct you. And his mother's dead. I said, and I want you to hold your hands out. I said, this is your right and left hand. I said, as long as you're going this way, we'll say that's wrong and this is right. I said, you can't be going right and wrong at the same time. Now, as long as you're going that way, you're going wrong. You may think you're going right. May seem like you're going right, but you're going to come out wrong. And when you're going this way, you may think you're going wrong, but you're going right, and you're bound to come out right. Isn't that the truth? It's just exactly the truth. I said, just remember, anytime you ever get in trouble, when Daddy comes to you, I'm going to come like this with my arms spread out. So which side did you take, son? That's right. You're a free moral agent. Now you have to act for yourself. I've raised you up the best that I know how to this age now. You're going to get out with other boys in high school and college and around and you're going to have everything before you but remember always hold fast to the right keep to the right you'll come out right Moses here just for a few words directing Israel or rather it was God directing Moses for Israel just a comment and I'll give a testimony and we'll pray and now if the Lord willing tomorrow night I want to take a text and speak from it, if I can, tomorrow night, the Lord willing, or the next night one, because this is six weeks constant in meeting, and every night in vision, and there's no need of trying to explain it, you just can't, there's just no way of doing it, and it, it gets me in such a place, I, I certainly weakens me down, I've lost about eight pounds, I think it was, my weight, and so I'm I want to speak some tomorrow night, preach a little or speak a little or something, but we'll have a prayer just for the sick, just the same. But now I've been given testimony to kind of hold myself up a little bit. As soon as I leave this meeting, Sunday night, then I go right straight to Chicago to the convention. A great healing campaigns are having a convention in Chicago. And then from Chicago, I go two days up there at a for a healing service in some place. I don't know where it's at now, but it's someplace in Chicago. And then um, I think I get a little bit of rest then before going overseas. I'm going to depend on you all praying for me when I'm overseas. And I, I want you to remember, friends, and write this down, that that's going to be one of the greatest meetings that the history of the world has had since Pentecost. When we go into India, here it is written right here in the back flyleaf of my Bible, a vision and it cannot fail. It will be just that way. Just as soon as I get through just a moment, one night I want to give you the vision so you can write it down on a piece of paper to see if it comes to pass or not. And it's bound to come to pass. Moses here, God told the little thought that come in my mind while I was sitting in the chair there waiting. I heard Brother Bosworth wished he would have continued on. I love to hear Brother Bosworth teach. He's, he's aged a little but he don't think so, <laughs> and I'm glad he doesn't. Here some time ago, I was, I believe it was when I was about, been three or four years ago, I was 37, 30-something. I was down here at Miami, 
Brother Bosworth and I walked out. After we'd had our dinner in a hotel, I walked out to the seaside, and here I was in my 30s, my shoulders too short. I looked up at Brother Bosworth standing there like that, around 70. And he's talking about the sea and everything and the coming of the Lord, which is subject's always that. I said, Brother Bosworth, <coughs> when were you your best? He said, Oh, right now. <laughs> I said, Yes, sir. He said, Brother Bram, you just failed to know that I'm just a kid living in an old house. He said, just a kid living in an old house. Well, you know why he does that? He feeds himself on this vitamin here. It's better than all the drugstores in the world, God. Try it. See what it'll do for you. And I certainly admire him. And not because he's sitting here, but he's just like a daddy to me. God took my daddy when I was a little fella. Brother Bosworth has been a second daddy to me. And I sure love him with an untying Christian love. And I want to see him stay till Jesus comes, if he can, and keep preaching this wonderful word that he's doing. And I, he isn't a great, big, out-speaking, but brother, I tell you, if you listen to what he says, you'll get well. I'll tell you that. You'll sure do that. Uh, many of the people ain't looking for a forceful speaker. They're looking to how they're going to get away from that cancer or sickness and whatever's wrong with them. That's what they're looking for. They're coming to find them. Now, God told Moses, he said, Now, I'm going to send my angel before you to keep you in the way. Now, anyone knows that angel was Jesus Christ, which was the pillar of fire. It was Christ. His name wasn't Jesus yet until he was manifested in flesh. But the thing I want to... Now, he said, there's Palestine. I swore to Abraham 400 and something years ago that I was going to give it to him. Now, I said, it's yours. I give it to you, to your, his seed. But I give it to you. Now it looks like, now here's where I want you to see. Now, isn't it strange? Now, he said it's yours, but it's just as full of Havites and, and Jupanites and <laughs> Canaanites and all kinds of enemies in there. They're walled up heavy. Now it's yours. Go take it. It's yours. Now I'll give it to you, but you go get it. Now that's people today. If you'd only see, when I tell you about divine healing, you say, well, Brother Branham, uh, look, uh, I was prayed for last night. I can't move my hand anymore. That don't have one thing to do with it. Not a thing. It's yours. Go get it. Sure, God give it to you. Now the thing, them Israelites, well, sure, God just didn't get up there and take his brush and sweep them all out. So now come on in. Here you are. Sit down. Never did God do that. You show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. See, you've got to go do it. And you've got to fight for every inch of ground that you have. Every man in here that's born again of the Spirit of God knows that you've had to fight for every inch of ground. Told the mark with Satan. Isn't that right? Friends, this is not a picnic. This is a battleground. See? We never come here to, to eat cookies and, and so forth. We're in a battle. Could you imagine the United States Army training the man to sit around and eat cookies and so forth? Why, he gives him a uniform and his gun and trains him to get out there and fight and defend the nation. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to defend our God-given rights. What God said is ours. Let's stand right toe-to-toe with Satan. said they're ours. We believe them. And you just might as well move back because you haven't got no nothing at all. You haven't got... Satan hasn't got one legal right of anything. Everything he's got is defeated. And the only thing he is is a scarecrow. That's all. He cannot bother you. A man that's born to the Spirit of God, there's nothing at all can harm him. Now, Satan can push things over on him, just keep shoving you out and shoving you out. If 
I went to my house tomorrow night, and I looked up there, and there moved into my house was a big bunch of people, and they were drunk and prostitutes and carrying on. Well, I'd put them out. Well, how are you going to do it? They say, I'm a human. This house was made for humans. I can live here too. I say, I, this belongs to me. This is my legal possession. I've got an abstract deed here at the courthouse that shows this belongs to me. And you cannot stay here any longer. And I'd serve notice on them, and they'd have to move. If they didn't, there's a law downtown that will make a move. Is that right? Well, anything that Satan's put upon you in the way of sickness or whatever it is, you, every born-again person, has an abstract uh, warrant, has a warrant from God and the Holy Spirit here to put any devil out, <laughs> no matter if he's cancer, tumor, cataract, whatever he is, the Holy Spirit will put him out if you'll serve notice on him. In the name of Jesus Christ, because he has no legal rights. I'm the Lord and he looks all about his diseases. Is that right? He was wounded for our transgressions with his stripes were healed. But you've got to go over and take it. See? Now Israel, they started out. God said, that's your land. I give it to you right now. Now I'm going to give you a witness to go before you. Here's going to be a pillar of fire. It's going to follow you. It'll lead you just exactly where you should go. Well, that same Holy Spirit's leading the church today. There's no way to... The only thing you say, well, now, God tells me in my heart that Jesus Christ healed me. I just, it's my possession. I take it. I go on. It's mine. Well, then you just go on. The Holy Spirit just keeps leading you. No matter how you're feeling, if you, if you go to your feelings, then you're certainly going to... If you get back to that, every time that you have a negative testimony, every time that you uh, look at your symptoms, then you're falling right down. There's not a Christian in here, no matter how solid you are in faith, if right now that you something happens to get a hold of you and tell you that you're not a Christian and you start out testifying, well, I'm not a Christian no more, you dropped right there. You're no more a Christian anymore. As soon as you testify that you're not a Christian, then you've dropped from grace right then. You've fallen. Because, see, your, your, own, your own speech tells what you are. You've got, it's a faith act every time. Now, watch it. God said, I'll send my fear before you. Now, God said, I'll make a way for you. I'll send my fear before you. And when you go, I'll send my harness before you. Now, when he got over there, we found out, there they looked at them great wall cities, and some spies went out and come back and said, mm, we can never make it. Them cities are walls so high. Well, I sent out one out of every tribe, I guess, of the of 12 tribes. Only two out of the 12 come back as Joshua and Caleb and said, we can do it. We can take it. Now, the others said, we can't do it. And right there, Kadesh Barnea, where they come, the judgment seat, there's where they fail because they listen to the bigger percentage of these men who come back and said, well, we look like grasshoppers upside of us. See, they were looking at symptoms when Joshua and Caleb was looking to what God said, I'll give you the land. No matter how big the city is, how big the giants are, God's bigger than all. And God's the one that made the promise. So they wanted to go over. And they, they said, it's a beautiful land. It's a wonderful land. And I, they come back with some evidence. I'm glad that somebody crossed over and brought some evidence back, aren't you? Yes, sir, that there's grapes over in that land over there. Yes, sir. And they come back and brought the evidence. And finally, when God had to get away from the church age, raised up another man called Joshua and went over into, power, uh, into the promised land and they fought down every Philistine. Now look, 
God said, I'm not going to give it to you all at one time. If I give it to you at one time, if I do, then your whole land will be swept bare. Then the wild beasts will multiply against you and will overcome you. I'm just going to give it to you little by little. As you're able to possess the land, I'm just going to drive them out and give it to you little by little. That's what God does tonight. Maybe today you say, well, I, I do feel a little bit better. Well, praise God, we'll take some. We got Canaanites today. We'll take Amorites tomorrow. See? And just as you're able to take it, God, you might break your neck if you got it all at once, you see. So God just gives it to you just as you're able to fight it out. Well, you say, I couldn't move my hand only that much yesterday, but I can move it this much today. Praise the Lord. Tomorrow I'll move it that much, you see. Just little by little, you shall have it. Oh, I tell you, this is the most marvelous thing that I've ever seen in my life. It's the greatest hours of my life is when I get up against a wall that I can't get over it, under it, or around it. That's right. And then I trust God and He opens the way and I go through the thing. God takes you through it. Then when He come out on the other side, it's like Samson when he killed the lion. When he got out on the other side, when he killed the lion... And he got the sweetest honey he ever eat out of that old carcass of that line. And sometimes if you overcome something by the grace of God, it'll be one of the sweetest things that you ever tasted in your life. Isn't that right? If you know spiritually what I'm speaking of. Now, he taken it, they give it little by little. And this great big room that we live in after we're baptized, you know, I think the kingdom of God, many of you people don't look around. How many Christians sure say Amen. Won't you look around the kingdom of God and see what you got? Could you imagine somebody going by the house and saying, Well, is that the house? Look into the kitchen and say, Well, I'll buy it. No, no. Could you imagine somebody then giving you the house? You walk up the kitchen and say, Well, or back to the garage or somewhere and say, Well, it's a pretty good house, huh? Walk away. No, sir. If somebody gives me a home or a house, I'm going to go into the garage, into the attic, into the basement. I'm going to look every bit over and see what I, what I own. Or oh, wouldn't you? Well, that's the way God wants us to do. When you're baptized by the Holy Ghost, that's a good thing. When you become a Christian, good thing. But the thing of it is, you haven't looked around yet to see all the blessings you got in there. There's divine healing in there. There's joy in there. There's peace in there. There's everything in there. There's power. There's everything in there. You know what? The kingdom of God's like a great big variety store. <laughs> you walk into a variety store down in the arcade somewhere. You walk in, here's something over here. Look it over, it's yours. Look over here, there's something else. I just love this big variety store, don't you? How do you get into it? By one spirit. We're all baptized into God's big variety store and subject to all of God's blessings. Amen. By one spirit, we're all baptized into a variety store. And this is the variety store right here. And every blessing and every promise in here that was given to mankind is for every person that's baptized into this variety store. Just walk around and possess yours. It's yours. Something up there high to get, sometimes I have to climb high to get it. It's a little out of my reach, but I'll get a ladder and get to it. I want to see what's, what's all about, don't you? Somebody remember the first time I heard people talk about speaking in tongues. I thought, well, what's that? I didn't know what it was. I thought, well, Lord, that's in your variety store. I'm going to climb up to it, get me a ladder, and find out what's all about. I kept praying to God. Here it come on me. <laughs> I see something else, some blessing. I said, well, thanks the Lord. 
That brother's eating from that. I'm in this variety store too, so just scoop my ladder over and climb up and get some of it myself. And now if you need healing, just climb up. God's got it here in variety store tonight. Don't you believe it? Just reach on up and get a hold of it. It's yours. God promised it to you. But you can't stand back here and say, yes, I believe it's right. Uh, I, I believe if I went over there, I could get it. Well, go get it. God said it's yours. Just move on out and get it. Amen. I like that. Oh, and God promised everything, everything by faith, everything's yours. You own the whole world. There's nothing in the world. Do you know this, 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 this world belongs to this, the Christians? They don't own it now, but it's, they're going to fall heir to it. You know who controls every nation in the world? The devil. The Bible said he did. Jesus Christ admitted it. Satan took Jesus up, showed him every kingdom of the world. He said, all these are mine. Satan did, said, I'll do with them what I'll do, what I want to. And said, I'll give them to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus knew that he was going to fall heir to him anyhow. He said, if my kingdom was of this world, then I called my subjects and they'd fight. But my kingdom is of above. See, but blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Someday, Jesus Christ will come to the earth, and the dead that's dead in him shall rise and come forth with him. And he is the king. We are now candidates in his, uh, his subjects in his kingdom. And we shall return to the earth someday and be immortal beings. I can prove it by God's word that every one of you gray-headed people sitting here tonight on the resurrection will return back to young boys and girls just like he was about 22 years old. I can prove that by God's word. Yes, sir. And you'll be young there forever. Not one hair that's fell from your head, not one thing that's gone from your body, but what God will restore in the resurrection. That's perfectly the truth. Oh, yes, you're made up out of a lot of petroleums and uh, lights and so forth, but when they leave here, when your spirit leaves, don't worry, God knows where every bit of it's at. And when you return back, where was you at the first place? How'd you ever get here in the first place? God made you just what you are. Is that right? Nobody didn't come and smear the flesh onto you, build you up to where you are. You just, by, you call it by nature. God, you just grew to where you are. And that's the way God just bypasses all of that, just speaks the word like the water, turn it to wine. Well, that would have eventually been wine. Anyhow, that was his first miracle. He would have eventually been wine because it went up through the grape vines and out into the, and through the uh, grapes and into the vat and it had been made wine. But he didn't wait for that. He just spoke it and it was wine. Now, at the resurrection, my mother won't have to give me birth again. And your mother, nine months, then birth, and then grow up to the age. God will just bypass every bit of that sexual and everything and just speak. And it'll be that way. He's God. Won't that be wonderful? My, no more sickness, no more death, no more sorrow, no more, oh my. What a wonderful thing that'll be. And to think that we know that's the absolute truth. Now we've got to tell it to somebody. We've got to do all we can to get them into it. Now, God is the direct evidence of the Holy Spirit here, visible each night. Now, I'm just a little early. I want to give you a testimony. And the direct evidence of the Holy Spirit here in the building each night, friends, it seems to me that most anything could happen. Uh, I tell you, if you'll excuse me for saying this, uh, 
you must come out of the of the drag that you're in. Today I was talking with uh, two of the ministers here that in the building I suppose tonight, both of them, and they were telling me one of them about what had been happening each night. When the anointing comes down, I have to pick it up on a tape recording to know what it was. Now, sometimes my boy, after I get home or something or other, kind of get back to myself normally, he tells me, well, Dad, there was a certain, certain thing happened tonight, and a certain, certain thing. And if that minister's telling me of what's been taking place, if one-hundredth of that had been done in any African, Indian, or any foreign country, there have been thousands times thousands of converts. There wouldn't have been a cripple or a sick person left. Everyone would have piled up their beds and went home rejoicing and happy. They'd have had torches lit, running down through the jungle, screaming to the top of their voice that the power of God has returned. That's right. But in America, we build our great big ecclesiastical concrete cross, and when God sends the ladder rains down on us, we just bypass it. The days of miracles is past. There's no such a thing as them. See, we drain it all off of the people. And we say, they see the God working in his marvelous ways. They say, mental telepathy. Something or another. Now, that's not Methodist and Baptist altogether. That's Pentecostals, too. It's exactly, yes, sir. And they're getting to be worse than the rest of them. That's right. Pentecostals, just as bad as the rest. And the worst I ever was treated on divine healing was by a Pentecostal brother. He wasn't, he, uh, was in a place where a big army was packed out, and there was just thousands, and he had a lot of seats. He said, I wouldn't even let a man sit on my chair that believed in divine healing. He wouldn't let us have it. And that's a full gospel preacher. He, he wasn't a full gospel preacher. He just pretended to be a full gospel preacher. That's right. He couldn't be and do that. Because uh, you couldn't believe. If you believe the gospel, you believe it. That's just all. And if you're born of God, you're son of God, you believe that everything is possible because you're part of God. You'll have to believe the Bible. Now, the way that I base, uh, uh, friends, on this, as faith, I probably feel like that I might be uh, an amateur in that. But where my faith is based is concerning a gift that was given me it's by uh, some people receive a revelation. Some people pick it up out of the Word. Some people uh, take it by inspiration. Mine is a, a vision. When I see those visions happen, there's nothing in the world that can change it. See? I have seen it so many. Now, coming on the road down here when I first met Brother Bosworth, this that I wish to speak about for the next few minutes happened in Florida. I was all fixing to come down to Florida to meet a little boy down here called Little David. And he had a meeting out there. I met him in a place over in Oakland, California. And he had a little auditorium. He had about, about 7,000. The, the auditorium seated, I believe. And he had about 3,000 in it. And I had an auditorium seated 3,000. had about 7,000 people. So he said, let's just swap auditorium. And I wondered who Little David was. And this little bit old boy standing around there about like that. And I said, he kept talking to me, Brother Branham. And I said, what's your name? He said, my name is Little David. Well, I had my hand on his head, a little bitty fellow. Well, I thought, it, I've seen a lot of these little old boys, you know, Mama tell them about how Jesus was born in the manger and so forth. So I thought that's what it was. So as the meeting was over, one night I slipped over to hear this little boy. He helped really late. They had a lot of uh, preliminaries before the kid preached. Uh, Brother, that wasn't that kid. He threw off his coat and took a text and handled it like a man. That boy was preacher. 
Well, then the first thing you know, I begin to tell the brother, and I say, now that's wonderful. Now there's where you brothers, all you church daddies, ought to get around that boy. And well, one of them said, well, now, he's, he belongs to Jesus' name church, and he does this and this and that. And I said, I don't care what he belongs to. God's got his hand on the boy. That's the main thing. No matter what his brand is or about that, what does it make any difference what that is? As long as you argue and fuss over those kind of things, you're still carnal and never getting a word with God. That's right. I said, forget that. Get around it. You'll have thousands and tens of thousands of little children. But the next group, they had to get them a little David. And when I come down here in Florida, <laughs> it's the worst I've ever seen in my life. They had about two pages in a, in a Miami paper down there to take care of the little Davises in town. Every fellow was afraid that if their little group went over here, they'd lose some of them. It put me in the mind of a meal ticket instead of trying to get somebody saved. It's exactly. I, I don't say that with any compliments. No, sir. With any... Uh, I, I mean, I say that... Uh, don't withdraw from any of that. It looks like they're afraid somebody's going to... Why, brother, what are we out to do? If I thought it'd be a meal ticket, I'd get me a job and go to work somewhere. If I... The thing of it is, is get people saved. Help somebody. That's the Christian attitude. But every paper had it. And, and so... I remember on the road down, the little boy had a tent sitting out there somewhere way out on Flagler Street, and it was a pathetic, just a little handful of people sitting there. Well, when they heard that I was coming down to begin the next day, brother, every church in the city had a divine healer. I tell you, they just had everything. Just, well, the very idea, sinners see that and know better than that. They know there's something wrong, and there is something wrong. When man has that attitude, he can't work free in the Spirit of God. You can't do it. Could you imagine a... It's love, brother. It's love, sister, that takes us to God. If you haven't got love, you haven't got God. God is love. We've got to have love one for another. No matter what the other man's mistakes is, we have to have that love and fellowship to try to help him. There's one alternative that we ought to have. That's the kingdom of God. No matter if he goes to the Methodist or Baptist or Presbyterian or wherever he goes, as long as he's headed to the kingdom of God. That's the main thing. And it was certainly a pathetic sight. All right. On the road down, I had a vision. of, uh, And I told it when I got out there. And by the grace of God, the big place packed out, the big tent out there, when God began to move in the place. And um, that's where I met my old father, the gospel brother Bosworth over here. And he never knew me, had heard of it. And then when he come in and he seen that, he said, Brother Branham, that's the thing right now. So uh, the vision was this. I was, went off in one of the visions, sitting at my home. I, I believe it was on a train coming down or where it was. And I seen a little boy. I want you to listen. You'll pick it up. A little boy of about eight years old. A little, what we call, crock haircut. Brown eyes. He'd been hit by an accident in a car accident. He had a little short uh, pants like little boys used to wear with little waist up here like buttons around. I think called panty waist or what it is around like little boys used to wear. I did when I was a little boy. And uh, so there's button, big buttons around like this. And he had a real heavy long stockings. And his little foot was run through his sock. And it was, it was a lot of rocks, big rugged rocky looking land and some evergreen trees standing. And I've seen that little boy raised from the dead. And I come down, and there may be people sitting right here tonight, heard me speak of it in a Miami meeting. I wonder, before I give this 
uh, statement. If there's anybody at the Miami meeting heard me tell that vision and said it would come to pass, raise your hand. Look, they're all the way around everywhere. All right? In the Miami meeting. And I said, someday that will appear in the voice of healing. For what God said has to come to pass. There's no way at all for it to fail. It's got to be just that way. For God said so. Well, and many of you remember that in the same meeting, about a, I've been there about a week, I guess, and there was a little boy got drowned in an irrigation ditch. His parents may be sitting here now for all I know. But the father had heard that statement, and he had seen the miraculous working of God, and he would not permit the undertaker or anyone to get that child. He thought that was a child I'd seen in the vision. Mr. Huckstra and many of them went out, they'd taken me out there to see the little boy. When I seen the little fella, he was real black-headed. That wasn't him. Little bitty boy, pretty well-dressed, but a little fella, about five or six years old. And then it wasn't the country, no rocks, just a few, I think, eucalyptus trees or something, or uh, trees standing there. I said, no, this isn't the boy. I'm sorry, but this isn't the lad. And I knelt down and had prayer for the consolation of the father and so forth, so the undertaker could take the little fella and bury him. I said, it isn't the little boy. And uh, the little boy's different. Then I come to the meeting that night, explained it to the audience. They had been back to see the little boy, but it was, they had him back out there behind the tent some way, back to a field like. And so it wasn't the little lad. He'd been in the water for quite a while. And they pulled him out, but the father wouldn't let him take him. Now, then I went on, I went from Miami, on up, got my cars, and crossed the nation to the West Coast. Everywhere along, telling people to write it on the flyleaf of their Bible. I said, that's the only thing he's told me yet that hasn't come to pass. I said, it will come to pass. On up through Canada, cross Canada, over into Windsor, Ontario, come back down through the East Coast, uh, telling the people that this would happen. In every meeting, I'd probably mention, tell them, write it on the flyleaf of your Bible. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them wrote it on the flyleaf of the Bible. Well, the year passed. Another year passed. Nothing happened, but it's got to happen anyhow. One night, I went to Finland, and I got up to the Kofiol. I do much fasting and praying. And I was up at the top of the tower, and the little Finns up there were very lovely and sweet people. And we were having many thousands of people in the meeting. So Laplanders and all. And so we went up and show, they showed me the tower, about 30 ministers, where the, the Russians come in and bomb their little city there and so forth. And so I come down to bomb the tower, and I just started crying. I didn't know why. I'd been fasting for a few days, and I began to feel like I was hungry. Usually in a fast, I never feel hungry. If you feel hungry, it's time to eat. That's right. Jesus afterwards was hungry, you see. But if you're hungry, it's time to eat. So then I began to kind of get hungry, and Brother Lindsay said, Will you come eat, Brother Branham? I said, No. I don't feel like eating, but Brother Lindsay, there's something something somewhere and I walked over there and I seen a fellow sitting out there and they were singing on Golgotha and all their songs are in minor and it was very beautiful so I heard seen a fellow standing over there looking at him and I went over and it was a man from England had been up there at Byer just as drunk as he could be and he said what are they doing up there and I said you speak English he said I'm an Englishman and I said well they're singing a hymn and he said you know it sounds pretty I said aren't you a Christian he said Nah, I don't believe in it. And I said, well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I said, a man has lived as long as you have and 
God has prospered you the way you have, and then you would make a remark like that. And about ten minutes later, I led him to Jesus Christ to accept him as Savior. And they come down, and we were knelt down there praying. We got up, they started taking some pictures, and their taxi cabs there, a horse-driven, you know, so they... And Brother Lindsay wanted me to get in that little plate and get my picture in this taxi cab. said, we're going to take you down in a car. There's just a very few cars. A second-handed Ford over there, four or five years old, would sell for $2,000. Gasoline's about, oh, about a dollar and a half a gallon, two dollars, something like that. And so you can imagine how it is. And that poor little Finns, they just haven't got no money. So, and I said, there's something fixing to happen. And um, Brother Lindsay said, well, what do you think it is, Brother Bram? I said, I don't know. It's just, I can tell that the Spirit of God is near about something. There's something fixing to happen. Well, he said, do you have any idea? I said, no, I don't. And we got in the car and started down the hill. Well, I seen a commotion over there, and I didn't know what it was at the bottom of the hill. <clears throat> and what had happened, there had been a 1935 Ford, American-made Ford V8. And there was children that was coming. Now, the Finns all live in little cities, and they have their farms out, and they go out in the country and farm, and they come back into the city. There are children coming in from school. Cars are very rare. And this man was driving approximately 60 miles an hour, and he ran through this bunch of children, lost control. Two little children started across the road, one about five years old, one about eight, and they started across the road, and they got scared, and they started back, and the driver lost control. And he swung his car to the right, that would be to the north, and he struck one little boy right flat, like that. The other little boy, the, the fender, caught his chin and just whirled him over and threw him over against the tree and crushed him against the tree and he just, that was it. So then the other little boy, he run right over him, mashed him under the car, and the car jumped the ditch. The little boy got wound up under the wheel and he kicked his little body approximately 20 feet in the air and he fell over in the grass. Just a little old hard-beaten cobblestone road. And when we got down there, that's what all the excitement was about. That one little boy had been picked up. The car went on down and wrecked. And so the, uh, and the man had fainted and passed out. And they got him out too. And the little boy was against the bush. This other little boy was dead. He was laying dead. About 20 minutes to 30. And the, the other little boy, they'd done got somebody there to get him to the hospital. But they couldn't move this one. This little boy was breathing. So they could get him, but this boy was dead. The undertaker, of course, has to pronounce that, just like they do here. They had to come and get him away. The doctor wouldn't have nothing to do with that because he was dead, and the undertaker had to give the orders and take him in. But before they could do it, a law there is that the parents had to have something to do with it, and they went out into the fields in the country to get the parents. Well, we come by, and we wonder what the commotion was about. Well, we stopped, my interpreter got out, began looking, so they said, oh, it's a little boy has been killed laying here. And um, so Mrs. Isaacson, she was my interpreter, the private interpreter. So she, she come back and said, Brother Bram, you ought to see that. So Brother Lindsay got out. Many of you know Gordon Lindsay. I'm sure the editor of the Voice of Healing. And he got out, and he come back just crying like a baby. He said, Brother Bram, go look at it. He said, I, it just reminds me of my little boy. Well, Brother Moore, I thought, I don't want to see him. So Brother Moore got out. I got a, had a boy over here, too, you know. And I, I'd been away from home for weeks and weeks. And Billy Paul was just about that age. And I... I didn't want to go see the little fella. So Brother Moore got out and he said, he come back weeping. He said, Brother Brandon, you ought to see. He said, I, I've never seen anything like it. He said, poor little fella just smashed to pieces. And I said, it's sure too bad. He said, now when the parents get here, they want, we, we got to move him and take him down into the, to the city 
they want our car because they don't know where they get another car. So I said, all right, we can move him. And they said, well, and I thought, well, I believe I will take a look at that child. And when I got out and I looked at that little boy, oh, his little mouth was open, his little eyes set back like that, and I, they had a coat laying over his face. I thought, oh, my. Mm. What that poor mother and daddy, when they come and see that poor little thing laying there like that, out in the field working, and they, that poor fence, they're the only one that's paid their debt to us, the, the, the war that you all know, that you man, and so forth, and all that. And they're honest and real people, God-fearing people, if there is any in the world, lives in Finland. That they're really God-fearing people. They trust God for everything they have. They have to. They're living right on that battleground. And so, them little soldiers up there, some of them little old boys that never even shaved yet, 15 years old, they just kill them off as fast as them Russians, you know how it is out there, and they declare a war, and they kill them off. They did in this last war, and then the Germans and so forth got them. So then when, when I got out and looked at that little fella, I tell you, I thought my heart would break. I started to go away like that. I, this sounds fiction, but it isn't, friend. When I started to move away from that little boy, somebody put their hand on my shoulder. And I said, I thought it was Brother Lindsay, and I turned around. There wasn't nobody around me. And yet there was a hand laying on my shoulder. Well, I thought, well, that's strange. Well, whose hand is that? There was nobody around me. And I thought, well, I wonder what this is. And I started to walk away, and it just it looked like that hand was just like that pulling at me. Well, I looked at Brother Morton. He said, what's the matter, Brother Bram? I said, I don't know. He said, well, you look so white. And I said, I, I don't know. So I looked down against that little boy, and I started walking towards you, and the hand went off at me. I said, wonder if, if you get to undo that little boy's face again. So he said, yeah, they want you to put him in the car now. They're going to take him, take him away. And uh, there's people screaming going on out there. And I looked down again. And I, in myself, I was so excited, I would have missed it, you see. But see the sovereignty of God. When I looked down, I said, I've seen that boy somewhere. I said, Let's come here, Mrs. Isaacson. I said, ask those pastors if that little boy's been in the prayer line. I done forgot about the vision, you see. They said, they said, no, none of them knew him. I said, does anybody know him? Nobody knew him. Well, I said, it's strange. I've seen that little boy somewhere. I raised my head like this kind. Of, there's that black rocks coming down through them evergreen trees. I look back again. I said, there he is. That's him. I said, Brother Moore, Brother Lindsay, come close. I said, open up your Bible. They said, what's the matter? I said, turn to your fly leaf. So what's the matter? I said, you remember in Miami, Florida that night? That little boy went... They said, yes. He said, brown hair, little crock haircut, brown eyes, laying on the road. I said, look at them trees twisted down. See, see these them, uh, rocks, I mean, in them trees? I said, see, killed in an accident, side of the road, been dead about 30 minutes now. His little hands pulled down like his little legs. I said, that's the boy. They said, well, Brother Brown, that meets the description. I said, that's him. Oh, my. No one in the world. You may think that I'm excited now, but I'm not. It just thrills me through to know that our Lord Jesus has risen from the dead. All these pagan religions are false. There's only one true living God, and His Son is Christ Jesus. That's right. And He's 
risen from the dead, and he has graced us with his being. Amen. Oh, my, how many of these things has happened? This is not my statements alone, brother. The whole Finnish government knows this. And they're, and they're looking at that little fellow. I said, that's him. They said, you mean he's going to live? I said, if that boy isn't alive in the next few minutes, you pin a sign on my back as a false prophet. I said, that's the boy and he's going to live. I said, how can he live? Look at him, Mayship. I said, you see if he doesn't live. I said, make everyone be quiet now. They want to get him up. I said, I know just how the Lord told me to kneel. I knelt to pray for this little lad. And I said, Heavenly Father, over in the homelands of America, you showed me this little boy in Florida about two and a half years ago. And you give me the vision. And all these things are just exactly the way you said they would be. And now, as your servant, I act in your place. That you said to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, as freely as you receive, freely give. And acting upon your word, and upon your spoken word by vision, I say to death that holds this child, you can't hold him any longer, turn him loose. In the name of Jesus Christ, the boy jumped to his feet like that and began screaming and running as hard as he could. And all them fins standing there, all the screaming and carrying on, you never heard in all your life. That little boy jumped up, didn't know what had happened. Run around, how it done, friends? Don't ask me, I can't tell you. To my opinion, there wasn't a sound bone in the body of that boy. Now, the doctor never said to his bones. The only thing it looked, his little foot was run through his stocking, little big old heavy ribbed stocking like we used to get here. And his little legs was twisted up, his little hands was laying out like this, blood all over his face, his little tongue was out, mouth open, his eyes was run back like that, and laying perfectly cold and dead. And it happened to be that the chief man, which is equivalent to the mayor of the city here, was there to see it. And he, I've got his statements at home, which will appear in, um, what's this, fellow's calling me from England all the time to come over there, what? De Corsi, Kenneth De Corsi, you've reached uh, the Intelligent Digest, Digest, he writes that it goes around the world, he's called me long distance and everything, want to go over, he wants me to come by there, pray for the Archbishop of, of uh, England, and for to see him, and he's writing it up this next week. And that digest, it'll be interpreted in every language around the world, see, to go around. And he's got the information right straight from Finland. Now, oh, how wonderful. Then that night, I never will forget it, that other little baby, it was the second night had passed, and that poor little mother of that other little boy, I never heard such screams from her. They had to, and going in at night, they'd take two officers in front. To, that night when I went into the to get to the Massahali to pray for the people. They had 25,000 inside. They had a mile, about 30 abreast, standing nearly a mile, six or eight blocks like that, waiting to get in. And look, passing down through the streets. Let me show you the, the thing that'll settle all wars. That went plumb over beyond the Iron Curtain and set with Baron Fern von Vandenberg and it was I try to think this man wrote the Indian Road. What's his name? Um, Stanley Jones? Up here at St. Petersburg was a little Russia, uh, German boy that had been in the Russian camp. He said, Brother Graham, the thing that puzzles me that your meetings are no better known than what they are in America. said they're better known behind the Iron Curtain than they are here. But that's a wonderful thing that our Lord did. 
So that swept all through Russia. And he was a, he'd just been out about oh, six or eight months when Vandenberg got him out of the Russian camp where he escaped and got into free Germany. And the Baron had him out and had him here in Florida, a little German boy. His sisters was taken out and ravished, and they both went insane and died up there. And what a horrible thing they had. But he said, they sure up in there. And then when I went in that night, going down along the road for Christian friends, there stood hundreds and hundreds of hard Russians. If you live 40 miles from your, away from your birthplace, 40 miles in Russia, you have to have a visa. And when we went up there, we had to go along the side there where the uh, control zone, and they'd take us for about 50 miles through a homemade tunnel. And when we got in there, the, that little old train, they had uh, uh, machine guns, them Russians, and they pulled these curtains down. And them Russians standing there with machine guns that we didn't look out of that window. All the time we was passing by, and I asked the little Finnish soldier, said, you Americans will find out pretty soon. <laughs> Don't worry what they're doing behind there. All right, so they claim they got underground bomb shelters and everything and planes that can whirl or send out missiles that'll bomb every nation and every, every city in the United States in five minutes' time with atomic bombs and send them right off that one place there. So, brother, we're living in a terrible age. We're living in a time when man wants to get right with God and seek God because the hour is coming when destruction is just as sure to strike as I'm standing this pulpit. We are bound together. How can we escape it, friends, if we're neglecting God and treating the God the way we are? How can we do it when the folks going down through the city and the city officials drinking whiskey to celebrate Christmas and things like that? How can you expect God to do anything different and destroy places? Isn't that right? The whole nation's polluted everywhere. The whole world is polluted. Right? Only one thing left. That's the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The only hope in the world that we have. Flee to him tonight. Then, going down through there, those big rough-handed Russians who'd guarded on the road up. I don't know it was the same group, but they were standing there and walking. I had to, had to walk for several city blocks to get to the place. And soldiers going along in front and back like that. And those Russians stand there and the tears running down their cheeks like that when they pass by. They had that flat Russian salute when they pass by like that and the tears running down. And as soon as they could, they'd throw their arms around them little Finnish soldiers and cry and praise God. Them were man, Russians filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something, brother. Anything that'll make a Finn put his arm around a Russian and hug him, it'll settle wars forever. Amen. That's right. When you see them two nations, they didn't pay attention whether it was Russians or whether it was Finns. They were hugging one another and praising God. If they had their say so, they'd be no more war. Not long ago, a little chaplain in this last war had to put this in. He said, Brother Bram, I was walking a post like this. that I was out there. said, I was starving to death in Japan. said, I, I raised up my hands. And I said, oh, hallelujah. said, God, I got wife and babies at home. It looks like I'm going to die right here in this prison camp so that, oh, if I could only see him once more. But nevertheless, if you want me to come over here, your will be done, Lord. And said he noticed a little sentry walking the post like that, kept looking at him. Said, he thought that boy wants to talk to me. He got over close to him. He looked around and said, you Christian? He said, yes. He said, me Christian too. <laughs> now, if he had his say so, he let that brother out. Brother, let me tell you, it doesn't take big four meetings and round conference. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ to make man one. That's what it takes. 
Yes, sir. Why do you try to just scheme this as man devices as it'll never work, never will, never was intended to? It'll never work until all nations recognize Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Christian church has failed to recognize, to represent Jesus to the nations is what we're in the trouble tonight. Exactly right. Going in that night, is the second night, that poor little mother had been laying at that hotel door. i never forget it. What a night. She'd lay there. She'd all time constantly calling, come heal my boy. Come heal my boy. Well, of course, Miss Isaacson, it's against the rules when we make a, a, a call. And so I'll, just a minute, I guess I got enough time to get this little part in here if you'll suffer me. Will you, if you will say amen, just to tell you how this little boy come out. So we, I was going to, going in that night and I, they just had that poor little woman just had drag over like that and the managers and all of them trying to tell her saying sister we're praying for your little boy all them come down and heal my little boy that's the other little boy that was crushed never had come to never washed his face enough just so broke up laying there like that and so they uh, I remember that night the next night when we went in that day the little woman I told her I said bring her up in the hall so they brought her up in the hall and I said well, uh, are you a Christian? The first thing, no. Neither one of them is Christian. She said, I want you to go down. Of course, now that's just through an interpreter. She said, I want you to go down and heal my little boy. I said, I never healed that little boy. She said, why, you healed him? I said, no, no. I said, over in my homeland in America, two years and a half ago, God gave me a vision of that little boy of being healed. And I said, I've just done what God told me to do. And... Uh, she said, see vision for my little boy. Well, that's very nice, but I, I don't have no power to do that. Uh, you can't do that. So I tried to let her know. I said, the first thing, are you a Christian? No. She and her husband, either one. I said, now, I want to talk to you. Look, if, if that little boy dies, I don't know what's going to happen to him. The doctor says he's got to die. He's got concussion, blood in the brain, and you know how it is. And his back all like that, as far as he couldn't actually him or nothing, because he just let him, just wait until he come to and he said, he's got to die. I said, if the little boy dies, the doctor's doing all he can do. And I said, if he dies, and then he'll go to heaven. Because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for his sins when he died at Calvary. The little fellow was too old and old. What was right and wrong has nothing to repent from. And I said, then he, uh, repent of, brother. And I said, he'll, he'll go to heaven. Then if you die, you will not go to heaven. And you'll never see that boy again. I said, but if he dies and goes to heaven, and you become a Christian, then when you die, you'll go to heaven, and you'll be with him for all the time, forever. And there won't be no more accidents up there. And I said, in doing that, you might find favor with God. I said, now, if you want a favor out of me, what? find favor with me. If I want a favor out of you, I find favor with you. I said, find favor with God. Become his servant. And maybe God might, might heal your child. If he doesn't, they studied over, they couldn't lose. Because, see, they might find favor with God, he healed the boy. If they didn't, well, then it would be all right. If they died, then they'd all go to heaven together. So the little father and mother got down on their knees and put their arms around one another. The sweetest thing you've ever seen. I think of it, yes, my heart fills up. How they were just crying, Miss Isaac trying to interpret the prayer over one side of me. How they said, that we want to be with our little boy, you know, and so forth like that. Poor little thing, just a young couple, and uh, probably in the 20s yet. And so they got up, wiped their eyes, and, and I, I said, now you believe if you die, now you go to see, yes, they, Jesus was their Savior, is go to serve him all their life. 
And so the little mother, you know how a mother would be to her child, she said, now go see Vision. <laughs> I said, that's, a, that's very nice, sister, but I can't make God do that. And uh, I said, now, she said, come go down to the hospital and heal him now. She thought that settled it all because she'd become a Christian. I said, no, I can't do that. I said, now, I break the rules. You wouldn't want me to do that. I said, unless God would leave me. Well, I just don't make those because there's too many of them. And it caused a backslide on the ministers. I said, I can't do that. I said, but I'll go right in the room and start praying for him now. And I said, like I have been praying. And if God shows me anything, I'll call you. And she said, I'll wait. <laughs> See what God says. I said, well, he may never even speak to me at all, sister. He may never, he may never say one word to me. And I said, I may never see a vision of that child. And, and I said, if he does, I'll call you. She said, well, I'll wait. I said, no, he may never say nothing. So we had a hard time getting rid of her then. So we finally got her and her husband to go down home. Well, about uh, 15 minutes after it's gone, the phone rang. The interpreter went out. Has Brother Van seen vision yet? <laughs> she was poor little thing. I thought, I'd be the same way if it's my child. Said, Brother Van seen vision yet? About every 10 minutes she'd call. Seen vision yet, you see? Well, I went to church that night, and there, down to the big master hall, and there were those people. Something happened going in. As I was going in, some little soldiers marching in front and the back. Everybody had orders, you know, not to crowd in around because them soldiers of the militia, you see. So they, uh, I got into the hall, went up like this, and I, just as I got in, they were singing and finished, only believe, because they knew I was there. And Brother Baxter had done gone on ahead of me. He had brought me down, and it went on ahead of me and went in. So uh, he started singing, only believe, and these little soldiers would take me up another way to bring me in so I'd come to the platform because you couldn't get in this other way. People were so jammed in there. So then, uh, as I started through the room, now this is something I want you to get. It's the sweetest thing I ever seen happen. They, the, the ladies' uh, restroom, their dormitory, like was such as it was. We started in, and all of a once, the door opened, and a, a little girl on crutches stepped down. And she bowed her little head, and she looked up at me, and I knew that little girl wanted to come to me. And she thought she had done something wrong because it just strictly said, announced on the radio or on their, their microphones and everything, coming in, not to even move into the line or check or anything, you know, that made it so always strong. I didn't want them to do that, but I guess they had to to get you in and out. So then, and that poor little thing thought she had done wrong, and she ducked her little head down. i never forget the looks of that little child. She was standing there. One leg was a little shorter than the other, and she had no use of this limb at all. I believe it was the right limb. And she had a, a big shoe on, and she had a, a snap here in her toe of her shoe and a piece of leather. And then over that shoe had braces that come up this way and then went around her little side. And this strap come up and went over her back and snapped into back here, and she had two crutches. And the way she could walk, she had set those two crutches out. And this limb had no control at all. This hung loose, you see. And those braces made it stiff, you see. So she had set her crutches out and then she'd take her little shoulder and raise her foot up like that and shove it out like that you see with her with her shoulder like it she'd set her crutches out and then she'd go and I'd throw that leg out and that's how she walked now I see her she's about 10 years old something like that her little ragged looking blonde hair her little baby looking face and her little skirts she probably didn't have on any uh, beneath skirts she just the, uh, that skirt is all ragged little rags hanging from it and I found out later she's a little war orphan. Her mother and father had been killed by the Germans during the time.
war, and they were just taking care of her wherever she goes. She lived in a tent. And um, so she looked at me, and her little lips got to quiver, and she ducked her little head down. I kind of seen the tears fall down from her. It's funny. It kept me I said, I couldn't speak or know it's her or nothing, and they couldn't. And I, I didn't know what to do, and I was just standing there, just trying to push me on. I was motioned like that. And I have to do it watching that child. And it's very polite. When all of them get in the service in the afternoon, they give me some of that old Finnish money, you know. And I'd get out there and buy candies or cookies or what it was. I'd have a string of kids or city block following them. You know. And when they'd thank me, the word Titus is thank you. It's Titus. And they'd take their little skirts and little girls and pull their little skirts out and say, Titus, like that. Thank you, you know, when I give them these things. I just had kids from all over the country. I love them. I got two at home. I'd like to have them in my arms now. Just, I love the little old fellows. And so, and so, I seen that little thing, and she wanted to come to me. I know she did. And I just stood still. And by the way, this is the same suit I had on. The suit comes from Tim. And so, I had on this suit. And so, uh, I would just stop. And she looked at me. And she put her little head down again. She thought she'd done something wrong when she stepped out there and me coming through. And uh, I looked at her like that. I said, do you want to come over here? Of course, she couldn't understand what I was saying. And I motioned my finger to her like that. And uh, she looked up at me, kind of a little bit of smile come across her face. And she looked at me again, act like she's going to start, see what I was going to say. I just looked at her. I just stood still. And she put her little crutches out. She took her little shoulder and pulled that leg out. She kept coming on over. I thought, God bless that poor little crippled mortal. And here she come across, and she, I just never said a thing. Just stood with my hands like this, and she come right up to the side of me like that. She stopped, set her little crutches down, held her little head down like that for a few minutes, just about that high. She held her head down. She reached over and got a hold of this thing, called it up like that, kissed the pocket, dropped it back down, and. She looked up at me, her little lips quivering, tears running down out of her little blue eyes. She pulled her little skirt out said, Jesus, thank you. Oh, my, my heart's swelling. I looked at the little thing. I hadn't looked one walking across that way in the vision. There she went. The rock crutches. I said, now, if I can just make her understand. I said, sweetheart, uh, uh, honey, you're, you're, you're healed. Jesus has rewarded you with your little faith, honey. You're, you're healed. You're healed. And she, of course, she's just crying, holding her hands like this, just crying. And um, I said, you're healed, sweetheart, dear. Uh, and, and just then the door come open, here come two or three fins, the soldiers pushed me on. I got into the platform. I had a meeting. You can see the picture of it all there in one of my books. And they had a, after that night, when that Holy Spirit would move out over that audience and tell people who couldn't even speak in their language and tell them where they'd done, what they'd done, what was wrong, they'd just raise up and pile up their crutches and everything. They just had piles of them laying like that. One morning early, going down was a great big old uh, a cart full of them going like that, and all of them walking by sign, singing and finish, only believe all things are possible. Only believe. And there I noticed when I got in, my brother Howard and Brother Baxter come up, I felt him pat me on the shoulder. That's, that's to let me know that when you get off in that other world, you don't even know where you're at. And so uh, that's to let me know that it's time to leave. They watch me and they know when I got enough. And so it was time to leave. And I said, uh, just, just call a few more, will you? Just, just call a few more. Well, 
they got a little thin there and they had to give out prayer cards. And so they called up a few more cards. And when they did, by God's great providence, I heard something rattle. And the next one on the platform was that little girl. <laughs> when she comes to the platform, i never forget it. I said to the interpreter, I said, come here now, you just speak my word. I said, sweetheart, honey, you was a little girl that met me out in a hall a while ago. I said, Jesus Christ rewarded you of your faith. Why, he would have done it if I'd have been a rotten hypocrite, he would have done it for that much faith in that child. I said, now he's healed you. Now the thing you want to do, I said, you just give God the praise. I said, now you go over there and have to take all these braces off of you. And I said, then when you, just let your little hand set on your limb. And just as far as your limb is short, you let your hand slip right over your limb as they take that shoe off, come back and show Brother Dan. Well, here she went, you know, hobbling over there. Some man took her to uh, take the braces off. And then when we started again, get someone else, some woman come up. Just about that time I heard her scream, and here she come with them braces in her hands and crutches and down through that hall, up over steps and down as hard as she could go, screaming to the top of her voice. There's her picture there in the book, just as normal as she could be. See, the vision had already spoken. Going in that night, I hurry. Going in that night, my brother wanted to take me out and give me two pieces of candy. Now, there's some Canadians here, which I believe there is. Um, you forgive me for saying it. One time in Canada, we got a hold of some candy, and it tasted like starch. The people didn't have the money to put the stuff in it, I guess it ought to be. And Howard said to me, he said, Bill, you talk about candy and up there being starch, so taste some of this. And he gave me two little pieces of candy. I said, all right. And I went on in. I got upstairs. I had the Bible here. And I, it's, uh, the sun never goes down there. And they just have one day a year, you see. 24 hours or, or six months, the sun's up. And six months, the sun's down. But it's long in May or well, first of May. And the sun, it was, well, you could read a newspaper out on the street. It, was, it didn't get dark at midnight. It was long midnight then. And I walked to the east side. And I looked this way. And I've seen all them thousands of people pouring down through that park and they were crying with their hands up like that, soldiers and all. I said, oh, great Jehovah God, how marvelous you are, how adorable, my master and my Lord. I said, someday you'll break them eastern skies yonder and come and I'll see in glory. Thousands of those little sins will come forth into everlasting life. I said, how I adore you, my master. I was standing there with my Bible like that. Just then, I heard something go. And I looked. And standing just about that far from me, there stood he, there he stood. Big man, dressed in white, angel of the Lord one, hair down to his shoulder. And he set something down, or the tables are all old antique like marble. And he set something down, and I looked where he set it down. And it was a long vase, about that long, that had two flowers. Now, I call them Easter flower. I believe they're called daffodil. I'm not, and I may be wrong on that. Got like a little horn on it like that, you know, with a broom up around Easter. Some of them yellow and some of them are white. These were two white ones. And one of them that was laying that way was laying all the way down. And this other one was wilting, going down like that. And I looked and I said, of course I was frightened. I said, I... I do not understand. He said, what was that your brother gave you? And I said, sir, two pieces of candy laying right here. He said, eat them. And I picked up one, put them out. I hadn't tasted them yet. Tasted all right. 
and I swallowed it. And when I swallowed it, that Easter fire was laying that way, just exactly the way them boys fell, the way them boys. This Easter fire laying down with stood right up like that. He said, eat the other one. Now I put it in my mouth and oh my. The flattest, nastiest taste. And I took it out and I said, my. And I took it out and, oh, and this fire went. He said, fail that and the other boy will go. And I took it out real quick and started chewing real nervously and swallowed it. And when I swallowed it, it's the flower that was going down like this went. To the right side of it. He said, Thus saith the Lord, Go call the woman and tell her that her boy will live. Well, I left, as soon as he left, and I got to myself good, I was numb, and I started rubbing my face. I got to myself, I laid my Bible down, I ran out in the hall and let out a great big screen. Now, Mr. Baxter, Mr. Lindsay, all these men, you all know them. And they run out in the hall and let out a great big screen. And I said, Brother, come quickly. And they did. The doors flew open every way. They, they didn't go right out in the hall. And downstairs come Miss Isaacson. She heard me English, you know. And they run out. I said, Miss Isaacson, I told them what had happened. The angel, I said, go call that woman and tell her, thus saith the Lord, her baby will live. So she, the phone's over there. It's got just like a stick you put in your ear. And you have to turn a crank like this. There's not much like our phones here. So she cranked it up and she called the, the home and a babysitter was there taking care of the little bitty baby they had and the mother and father had been called up to the hospital which was just a private home right? and had been uh, called up there as the baby was dying, their baby was dying, a little boy. So they called up to the home and when they got up there they, she said the baby is dying so they called back to the hospital and the doctor said just a moment or the nurse rather that answered said just a moment and so they went and got the woman and brought her to the phone and she was screaming to the top of her voice. And she said, now honey, now you, you keep real still, I've got something to tell you. That Brother Branham has just saw a vision, the angel of the Lord stood in there and said to tell you, thus saith the Lord, the baby is going to live and not die. She said, how well do I know it? We're fixing to take him home right now. He just raised up just a few minutes ago. And they can't find nothing wrong with him, we're fixing to take him home right now. Oh, brother, sister, God is still God and he changes not. He's give us the land. He's give us the blessings. It's all ours if we can just believe Him. Won't you believe Him tonight? Won't you have faith in Him and love Him and, and believe Him with all your heart that God is, is going to do these things for us? You will believe, won't you? Every one of you. May the Lord bless you. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee tonight. And oh God, is my heart moves back across the scenes for the last few years. God, how, what, what can I do to get it to the people? Here's the place that's needed right here, Lord. Right here. Worst I've ever seen. I pray, God, that somehow, something before divine judgment strikes the place, I pray that something will be done. I've been told that many of your servants have been in here and you've got some faithful people in here, real people, that's praying and fasting and holding on. I believe it's the reason you're sparing it. God, they're faithful. But just think of the thousands tonight out here that without God, without Christ, have mercy. God, do something. Send the revival 
ministers faithfully working, people praying and fasting, little mothers doing about their food and, and fathers and little children even fasting and praying. Oh, great God. I know you men are free moral agents. You can only knock at their heart. They have to make the acceptance. But now, Father, I pray that for those who are here, that you'll have mercy on these who are the sick tonight. Granted, I know you're here. I know you're here. And I thank the very God that we're going to stand before someday to give an account of our life. is standing present now with us. Lord, you remember those over there, sure. You remember that little boy in Finland. You remember his resurrection from the dead. You remember the other little boy, the little crippled girl, that poor little thing. My heart goes back to think of it. The many, many thousands of others. How good you've been. How unworthy we are. But your word will be fulfilled. Now, uh, you've placed on my heart to come down here and help these, my brethren, who are struggling hard in this city of beauty. City, a great city. Your servants has come in and tried hard. God, I, I feel it's my duty to stand at the post and try hard too. I've done my best, Lord. It looks like I, I can't get anywhere. And I pray that you'll be merciful. Grant it, Lord. And now I ask you to bless this faithful little group that comes night after night, hovers around here in this little arena. God be with them. Manifest your love to them just now, Lord. Heal every one of them. Granted, there won't be any sickness left among them. May your spirit move down now, lovely and sweet, and heal everyone. Granted, eternal God, thou art our Savior. And I pray that you will heal everyone while we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
that uh, how the world will reject it. I want you to look this way. I want you to believe with all your heart that God Almighty, the powerful Jehovah God, is present to make well. He'll do it. He'll do it if you'll just believe. I look this way and just be praying and say, Lord, I believe that that Brother Branham has told us the truth. You know that was truth, what he just spoke there through the Spirit. Say, I believe that's the truth. I want you to do it. I want you to believe it with all your heart. God will take care of the rest. You believe that, don't you? I just pray. Let's have a just quiet meeting. Just be rare. Just keep saying, I've never did this. But I just felt glad to do it. Of course, I have to wait till I see him. But he gives me some kind of lead away. Tell me, I just pray that he'll do it. Father, who I love and trust, let it be known this night, Lord, as I stand here. If I'm wrong, forgive me. I don't mean to be. I'm, thou knowest I'm not trying to speak of myself. I'm speaking of you, Lord. And I know you're here. Will you grant this that these people all doubt may move in their hearts? Let them know that even in its simplicity, yet it's you. You're here to do this. I pray that you'll grant it through Jesus thy son. Magnify yourself tonight, Father. God here in this platform now will just show me someone out there if something's wrong or something that can be done for someone would you all accept your healing man from this platform from here would you accept your healing if God would I call anybody up here just right out in the audience you do it may his blessings be granted my sincere prayer Then you've also got a 
of sinus trouble. Isn't that right? Is that right? You accept your healing now? You accept your healing? All right, God bless you. And be seated, go home, get well. God be with you. Do you love him? white shirt on, no collar tie. You have a prayer card, sir? You don't. Stand up to your feet a minute. I'll get you just a minute, Dad. Here's the man, right? You're just seeking more faith. That's all you want. Isn't that right? Just want more faith. That's all. God bless you. your wife sitting there, nervous, heart trouble. You believe God will make you well? Will you, lady? You do? Stand up and accept your healing. God bless you. Sit down. That's all. You go home, be well. How could you doubt him? You want to be made well, lady? Got a gallbladder trouble, haven't you? Not only that, you got cancer, too. Isn't that right? You want to be made well? Stand up and say, I accept Jesus as my healer. God bless you. May the Lord God grant it to you. Thank you, sister. Go home and get well. Don't fear now. Walk right down the road of faith. Just pray everywhere. Believe with all your heart. God will grant it to you. You ever think that blood pressure will leave you, sister? You believe it with all your heart? If you believe it. Somebody in this section is over in here somewhere looking. Believe with all your heart. I just have to watch to see where he's at to see. Uh, here it is, right here. Got sinus, haven't you, sister? Believe he'll make you well? You do? God bless you. You may have what you ask for. Also has sinus sitting on the end too. Have arthritis, blood pressure. Believe God will heal you and make you well with all your heart. If you do it, you can have it. God bless you. Heart trouble. That next to you has got a kidney trouble, too. Isn't that right, lady? Now, it seems like you have a severe cough, too, don't you? You're coughing. Is that right? You don't have that now. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Remember? Are you believing everywhere? 
Hey, I know what's wrong with you. I know what's wrong with the lady sitting there in a wheelchair. I can't heal you. Arthritis called that a long time ago. I'm watching this. It's hung over you for two or three nights here. If you just believe, you could get up and walk on away. It wouldn't be for these other people. But you just think you can't do it. You see, don't believe that. Believe it, God's going to make you well. This lady the same thing here. That isn't, lady? Sure. It's brought you in on that cot that you can be made well. You can get up and push your cot and go home if you just believe God. Stand right here to make you well. You believe that? Oh my, just how it's banking in now everywhere. It's like, like a constant pull moving from everywhere. Half a oh Christian friend. Listen, this is the same thing as Paul preaching, said, I perceive that you have faith to be you. You have a certain thing to stand up in. Don't you know he's here? It's the Lord Jesus. All those people out in there. There he goes again, right back to him. Little lady with female trouble. God bless you, lady. You believe with all your heart. I'm afraid I'm not catching you. You're missing it. You see, I see it come to you, and you don't respond to the call. You see, and as soon as you do, it moves from you. You see, because that faith has to catch, and then you you get in your mind that you're wondering if it's to somebody else. It's in it's you. you see. Put your hands over one another. Let's have prayer. I've told you the truth. I've done all that I know how to do. God has spoken. He's spoken in His Word. He's spoken through unknown languages. He's spoken visions and power by prophetic utterance. The Holy Spirit you're seeking out like he does each time. But you told me, he said, if you get the people to believe, he said, you do this and they'll believe you. Just like Moses had made the stick to turn to a serpent and heal himself of leprosy on his hand. I told you the truth. God has testified it's the truth. Dear Christian friends, I speak in the name of Jesus Christ that every one of you right here now can be made well. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will rebuke every demon and power and may the Holy Ghost move over this audience just now and heal every person here. May the